This week on Excelsior Journeys, author Bethany F. DeVores is here to tell us about her fantasy series, The Seodrassian Chronicles, as well as her video podcast, Bethany Talks About Stuff, and about her upcoming 24-hour-long gaming marathon to benefit the nonprofit organization Extra Life. She has several different creative outlets, so it's no wonder why we've been friends for nearly 10 years already, and she has a lot to say about them all. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's why I taught myself how to draw, was actually the little mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. So jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in for over 100 episodes. Still can't believe how far we've gone. And when I think about the different communities that I've that I've been involved in, whether it's podcasting, whether it is whether it's dancing, whether it's audiobooks, whatever the case, the big one it always comes back to is writing. And that was something that really impressed me back in 2012, when I was really getting myself situated with living in St. Louis, I was really taken aback by how big the writing community is here. But I was also really taken with how big the writing community is online. And I've spoken about these different kinds of communities before, and I am very, very grateful to all of them for all of their support, all their encouragement, and really doing their part to really kind of push each other up because when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. And one of the things that that I was really taken by, one particular group, is one called the Dragon's Rocket Ship. And this is one I've spoken about on occasion in the past. And a big reason why I really you know took to this group as much as I did is because of my guest this week, Bethany F. DeVores. Bethany is the author of the Seodrassian Chronicles. She is also the host of her own podcast, Bethany Talks About Stuff. And considering the fact that she is also working on her own trilogy while I am going through my own with Excelsior, and both of us are on our our part threes and both dealing with a lot of issues with our part threes, we're definitely there to kind of lean on each other and support each other as we get through our own uh, stumbling blocks. But a big thing that she is doing right now that I'm really, really excited about, and I hope you are too, is that in November 5th through the 6th, she is going to be gaming on Twitch for 24 hours straight to benefit Extra Life, which is a company that raises money for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. That is an amazing, amazing cause. And I just hope that having her on this show will help her get that additional boost, that little one up there. And hopefully we can make that happen for her. And she's got a lot here. She is, like I said, she is an author. She's a podcaster. She is a supporter of all the great, all the indie indie authors, indie podcasters. And she is someone you definitely want to have as a good friend. And I am blessed to have her as a friend and even more blessed to have her here. So it is my pleasure to introduce to you, Bethany F. DeVores. Bethany, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you so much for being here. This is something that I've wanted you here on like many different times. And we could finally get that scheduling working and uh, we were able to make it happen finally. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. It does feel like we've been trying to do this for a long time. You've dropped a lot of hints. We can have yes. you on the show. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then crickets. I mean, uh... and then... <laughs> so I'm glad we're actually finally making this happen. I'm I'm really honored to be on your show. It's great. And yeah, we've been friends for forever. I yeah. didn't realize how long I've been until we it's started been talking like, about it. It's been like, I want to say like, it's, I think we've passed the seven year threshold. I do want to, I do want to give you a big shout out for one really, really big thing that I will always be grateful for is in 2015, I set up the Kickstarter to raise money for voice lessons. And so I said that I would narrate 
500 words of, of text for $10 and 1,000 words of text for $20. And that would go toward my classes over Clayton Studios. If I don't get take those classes, I don't get involved in audiobooks, and all of a sudden I don't have an in to sit down with Right Pack Radio and I don't get that podcasting bug bite and that leads, that leads me to here to over 100 episodes. And it's been just an amazing, amazing ride. And it just so happens, Bethany was the first one to put up money in that campaign. And it's something I will never, ever forget and will always be grateful for. Oh, heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that was, that was absolutely money well spent. I, I'm not, I couldn't be happier for you. I was excited to do it. I'm always excited to help somebody. Like you said, I really do believe in the NDC scene. I believe yeah. in getting out there. You don't know what you're capable of until you try. Right. Right. And exactly. So I'm, I'm all about that. I love it when people come and tell me, I know you write, I'm trying mm-hmm. to get into it. What do I do? I love that. You're right. If one of us succeeds, we all succeed in my mind. There's room for everybody out there. Oh yeah. So I would. It's really excited. I remember that. I didn't realize I was actually your first donor, but I, that's exciting. I'm excited to know that. It makes yeah. me feel very special, very smart to have yeah. recognized the talent right away. Uh, now the heart's <laughs> over here. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd do great, and you oh, are. Thank you. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate it. Now, before we get into what led you down the creative path that you're on, because it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty pretty solid one there with a lot of different venues that you're that you're working on. So, tell us a little bit about Extra Life and this uh, this cause that you've jumped into. So, Extra Life. This is a national drive to raise money for Children's Miracle Network hospitals. I started it. 10 years ago, this is going to be my 10th year. Wow. Um, sadly, it's probably going to be my last year. It's that 24 hours of gaming is a challenge. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the reason why I, I hopped on this. I'm like, first of all, it's a cause I really believe in. And mm-hmm. secondly, this is something I can actually do. I'm probably not going to make that 10 K <laughs> I'm not going to do something like that, but I can play games for 24 hours. Yeah. So I was actually watching X play do you remember X play and then X-Play. attack the show? It used to be on Oh, G4. on G4, G4. Yeah. Yeah. So X play actually had their own team. And initially I signed up under their team, my very mm-hmm. first year. And then when they went off the air and they didn't have a team anymore, I went independent. So mm. uh, this is something I've done for years. This is where I am trying to raise the most I've ever tried to raise because this is probably, like I said, uh, probably going to be my last year. So I'm just blowing the top off of it for me anyway. So I'm looking to raise $2,500 this year. If I can raise more, great. The sky's the limit. It's for the kids. It's for a good cause. I see absolutely zero cents of this money. It does not go to me. I don't touch it. I don't handle it. It goes straight to these, these children hospitals. So it's a good cause. And I also encourage people, particularly since this is probably gonna be my last year, my, my next goal is to start recruiting other people to the cause. Ah, <laughs> nice. So nice. I'm not abandoning the um, cause altogether. Yeah. I'm just going to change my role from being a participant to maybe starting to get a team together. That would be fun. That would be fun. Just basically yeah. just kind of setting up little like check-in spots or just like, okay, it's, it's three hours in like how, like, how you doing? How's everyone right. doing? Have you gone to the bathroom? Like just, you know, uh... <laughs> I tell you, I've actually had people ask me, do you go to the bathroom? When I say I'm going to play 20 games for 24 hours and they'll say, do you go to the bathroom? I'm like, yes, I go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 24 hours in spirit. I, yeah. I think the, the big thing that most people find interesting is that I don't sleep for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, you make pikes, of course I do grab something to eat, but typically what I do is I'll order like a a large pizza and start a pot of coffee. And that just, that's what I have. And then I had a friend one year, she went out and came in right when I was getting ready to start and had just this like tons of snack foods and stuff. It is so not healthy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) like you're doing 24 hours and eating all this junk, but it's for a good cause. And it's one day, one day out of the year. And I mean, I'm sure that you've gone through the experience of finishing up a draft of a novel and you've gotten like that, the fire going, you got the momentum going. Therefore you're pulling an all nighter and you're going to push through 
and get that last bit of that last few chapters done. I've done that twice so far. It's not really. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where just like, yeah, it totally caters to anyone who is looking to take any excuse to ingest as much unhealthy stuff as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's going to be your fuel to just keep your butt in that seat and just keep on writing and writing and writing. And in this case, you have gaming and gaming and gaming going on. Now, are you going to be gaming with other people? Are you just going to be focusing on your own gaming? What's the, what's the strategy here? That's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. So every year I stream, I stream Mm -hmm. on Twitch. I'll be streaming on Twitch again. I don't typically play multiplayer games because I'm tired of 14 year olds yelling at me and telling me how awful I am. I love gaming. (laughs) I am not good at gaming. That's part of the fun. I, I tell people, watch me number one, suffer. And number two, be horrible at it. I beat games through sheer tenacity. I just Mm -hmm. keep at it. So uh, my goal, my my plan at this time is not to play multiplayer, but it will be streaming. Nobody wants to see And that helps keep me accountable for 24 hours. If I know people are dropping in and watching and I will have those rogue people drop in two, three, four in the morning, just to see if I'm still awake, Mm -hmm. keeping me honest. But I'm actually this year, I'm not sure what I'm going to play. Usually by now I've kind of got a, an idea of what I'm going to do. And this year I'm a little floundering. Uh, so suggestions are welcome. Usually I try to find a new game because I find that it helps at 24 hours. Like you said, when you're writing and you're pushing through and you're like, I'm just so close. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, I find if I start a new game for the 24 hour gaming marathon, it helps keep me motivated. And I, nice. I will tell you the one year I chose Red Dead Redemption 2. I remember that. I remember you were making a big deal of that. Yeah. Yeah. I was so excited because I love Red Dead Redemption is one of my favorite games ever. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited for two and it had been delayed and been delayed and been delayed. And it came out just like two weeks before. Oh. So I made myself wait. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to play this. So I started to play it. And I've got to tell you that first five to six hours are some of the most boring gameplay ever. Really? I, <laughs> I almost cried because I'm like, how am I supposed to get through 24 hours? Wow. Of <laughs> it got so much better. That game is magnificent. If you haven't really? played it, if you're a gamer yeah. you like Red Dead Redemption, you've got to play RDR2. It's so good. But it takes about five or six hours really to get going. It, it takes that mm. long really to get you used to the mechanics, to get you involved with the characters. Once it picks up, it's yeah. very good. And by the end of the 24 hours, I didn't actually want to stop playing at that point. I'm like, really? what's another 24? I can do it. Nice. <laughs> <My> friend, <laughs> I, I had a roommate at the time she was like you better go to sleep i can't take you for another mm-hmm. 24 yeah. hours <laughs> you gotta go to bed i want the tv back you know? yeah yeah <laughs> because i was i said i spent my 24 hours in the common area of the house oh so crap. she yeah. was like i i want this back you go to bed but that so this year i'm i'm at a little bit of a loss but i have assassin's creed the latest one valhalla mm-hmm. i haven't played any of the other assassin's creeds so i don't know i'm mm. i'm really floundering a little bit We'll see. I'll have to figure that out. Did you want to just kind of introduce yourself to the first one, maybe? Since you said you've never played it? No. No. (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Let me revise my statement. I I tried one time to play the first Assassin's Creed. Yeah. It didn't go well. I didn't like it. And I just put it to the side. So everybody's like, you you should try it again. Just start with two and go forward. Well, when I got my Xbox series X, this came, it was a package deal and it had this, the latest Assassin's Creed with it. Yeah. So I didn't just go out and buy that thinking, maybe I'll play it, but I, I did, I did get it. So I'm like, well, that's supposed to be pretty good. So we'll see. I'm kind of getting input from my gamer friends if they think I need to play the others or not. And I have some other older games. And every now and then what I'll do is take a game and I have done this before and say, I'm going to put some new twister challenge to it. It's a game I've played before, but this time I'm going to play it only using swords or whatever. Mm -hmm. I try to pick, or I'm going to use a character that I haven't played before or something like that. So that's probably most likely what's going to happen. And I, I have played a about at this point it's probably close to a thousand hours of witcher 3 wow i'm still very tempted to play it again because i just love that game so yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a stick addiction but yeah what are you gonna do you like what you like 
Exactly, exactly. And and good call on on staying away from like the multiplayer games. You don't want like an incident like uh, you don't want somebody to go all Leroy Jenkins and completely just like right. torpedo your whole all your productivity and then get you in that rotten mood and everything while it's happening. So yeah, that way, the I'm, only one who controls your mood is you. So except that I'm usually Leroy Jenkins. So, oh, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> So you're the one pissing off all the 15 year olds now. Kinda, kinda, yeah. Well, I really am, like I said, just not very good. (laughs) So I tried the, I tried Red Dead Redemption 2 had a a beta version of their online game. If you bought like the super duper pre-order package, you got to try out the beta. It took me less than an hour before I was like, I don't like people. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> and I just signed back off and I haven't played it since. I don't like people. Okay. I just don't. And that's what I say about about the 24-hour gaming marathon experience by like right. two or three in the morning. I don't care anything about those kids. I don't mm-hmm. like anybody. Life sucks. I mean, I don't do good without sleep. It really, that's why I always tell people, please sign in and watch my stream because it will be amusing if you enjoy watching people suffer. Yeah, you will be amused by my stream because by two, three, four, those that's like the witching hour. Yeah, that little range right there. Once I get past that, it's not so bad. (laughs) Yeah. So do you so are you starting what like are you starting at midnight or going from midnight to midnight or is there like 12 p.m. to 12 p.m.? Like what's the the organization lets you pretty much choose how you want to do it. I normally will start at, say, six or seven in the evening on Friday evening and then play till six or seven in the evening on um, Saturday evening. And I have to that's, thank my friend Patrick. That was pretty his, doable. Right. That, was actually that his sounds really doable. Year. Yeah. The first year I did eight in the morning to eight in the morning. Ooh. And he and it was grueling. Ooh. And he's like, hey, why wouldn't you do like the evening to the evening? And that way yeah. when you're done, you just go to bed and kind of get you on your cycle. So I can't take credit for that. Patrick, my friend Patrick was the one who suggested that. And that's what I've done every year since then. It really does help. Why be a morning so usually, person twice? Yeah, just <laughs> right. Well, and then you go to bed. You've played for twenty four hours. It's eight in the morning. You finally finish, and you go to bed. And now your sleep schedule is even more messed up because yeah. you're sleeping during the day. And mm-hmm. yeah, this just works so much better. So usually six or seven, depending on whether I can get off work or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you, most years I'm up for about thirty six hours because. Wow. Even if I take the day off work, I cannot mm-hmm. get any sleep. I've tried every year. I try to take a nap. I, I, I make every effort to have the perfect circumstances, get the room really quiet, dark, and doesn't, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so usually I'm up six in the morning for my regular day. And then I don't go to bed until six in the evening the next day. Wow. So yeah, it's usually pretty grueling. As I said, this is, I'm kind of getting up there, hitting that yeah. midlife crisis. And uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't go as well for me at 24 hours anymore, <laughs> so, which is really more like 36. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's perfectly understandable. And I hope that for this 10th year that you're able to get like a, as, as big, as, as big a support group as possible to really kind of push this past expectations and hopefully get you the, get you what you'd you deserve and what the, what the kids will, you know, hopefully get. Cause at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So, right. so, so let's, let's go back a little bit to what I always call the lightning bolt moment. Cause I know you first and foremost as a writer and I'm really curious to know, because this is something that I think Paul Schrader said it best. He said, the only reason why people get into the arts is because they have no choice. And so yes. <laughs> when it, so I always kind of picture a, what I always call the lightning bolt moment. And that's the moment in time in someone's life when you experience something, read something, hear something, see something, whatever, and realize at that moment that that is what you want to do. That's what you want to have in your life. That's what you, the, the kind of person that you want to be. That's the path you want to go down. So when it comes to writing, what was that like for you? Well, that's really an interesting question because I know a lot of people can pinpoint a specific time, mm-hmm. but I will say that I have been telling stories ever since I knew that was a thing you could do. So yeah. as a, as a kid, 
all my friends were playing with their Barbies and just, oh, there, here's Ken and Barbie and they're doing their thing. And I'd be like, Barbie's falling off of a cliff and Ken has to save her. And that's because bad guys are after them. And like, there would be this elaborate story. Wow. It was an elaborate story. Nice. And all my, my friends are like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, I mean, that just seemed normal to me. I, in third grade, my cousin and I started to write our own novel because we were, we love to read even that young. So we were mm-hmm. like, well, we can tell a good story. So we started just writing our own. Nice. Uh, and I just never stopped. Uh, at one point I even wrote, this is so sad for you, George. I'm going to, I'm going to admit this. I actually wrote it. fan fiction for the monkeys. No kidding. The old show, the monkeys. Yeah. They, yeah. Yes. Well, and, and I say fan fiction, it's more like I tried to write my own episodes. Okay. For the monkeys. Yeah. So I, um, when I was in grade school, they showed mm-hmm. the monkeys like on MTV fifth grade on yes. MTV. Yes. I yes. remember. Yeah. Cause that's how, that's how I got um, introduced to them. That's how my sister got mm-hmm. introduced to them. That's why my father got us tickets to go see them in concert in 86 oh, in Jersey. Awesome. It was amazing. And like, Mike wasn't there. Mike hadn't, you know, really kind of joined up with, with the group as of yet, but it was, it was Peter. It was Davey. It was Mickey. And they had, what were the three bands going before them? Herman's Hermits, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap and the Grassroots. And oh, then wow. and then they came out and just blew the whole Brendan Byrne arena away. Sure like it was did. awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. And of course, had to go to school the next morning. But that's one of those <laughs> things. It's one of those things you just go for, especially when, yeah. especially when your father's the one that gets the tickets. Like right. this is so this is going to be like a family thing. Like we, right. we went out and I got to bring in like the program and everything, got to show it off and stuff. It was fun. It was that a big, is awesome. I'm yeah. so jealous now. But yeah, yeah, I love that. That's exactly right. I saw them on MTV yep. and just fell in love with that show. And I thought I could write my own episodes. And I wrote like two or three of my own episodes before I realized that was not a thing that most people did when they enjoyed fiction. (laughs) Right. I'm like, oh, you mean you watched a movie, liked it, and then did not try to write your own sequel? I thought that's what you're supposed to do. I had written my own Ghostbusters sequel before Ghostbusters 2 came out. Yep. (laughs) Like nice. So it's hard for me to pin down a moment because it just feels like it has always been a part of my life to tell my own stories. Yeah. And I just you're right. It's like you can't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are times I'm like, it would be nice to not feel like I have homework for the rest of my life. <laughs> I've seen people say being a writer is like having homework for the rest of your life. Yeah, that is kind of what it feels like, but it's homework you like at least. You yeah, know? most of the it. time, most of the time, most I will say time. that because the two of us are are neck deep in our own part threes of our trilogies that we, that we just decided that that was going to be the story we were going to tell. And then it was just like, okay. And then part two came around you're feeling really good about it. And then there's part three. And Mm -hmm. there are so many, there's so many tales of so many different part threes that are out there in, in film that part one, great part two, even better part three. Not so much. (laughs) (laughs) It can happen. I'm, it can I'm looking at you, Spider. I'm looking at you, Spider-Man three. I'm just like right. that's. <laughs> we try to pretend like Spider-Man three didn't happen. Thank you very much. Well, the funny thing is, is that with the new one that's coming out, it's going to remind you that those movies did happen. And I'm like, I, what are y'all doing? <laughs> I love it. I am. I am so <laughs> dialed into that. I love the fact that they're that they're incorporating that in. Like that's that's exactly what DC is is doing with their own because like they were they kept on saying that they are the dc extended universe that was the name that they gave themselves the dceu and i was like well if you're going to call yourselves the dceu why don't you just say that it starts in 1978 with superman and then every other big screen adaptation that's out there it's already there it's part of your universe mine that material Mm -hmm. and they're doing it with the flash they're doing it with no way home. So it's, I'm liking this fact that you got these two studios that are really kind of pushing each other to recall all those different things. So mining all that, all that great material. I think that's, I think it's fabulous. Right. This is well, really I like, shouldn't be so, I shouldn't be so snobby about that because I have to say the Sam Raimi Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. I love them. Me too. I like Sam Raimi too. Yeah. So, and little Tobey Maguire is Spider-Man. I yeah. just loved him as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Really, I'll, I just want to erase Spider-Man 3. Just yeah. 3. It's okay. But I just yeah, want to... Right. 
I did I did a thing in uh, when I was writing for 411 Mania. I actually wrote a, a memo as a quality control person. I was basically saying that I was the person that would do like one more series of suggestions before they went into production. And I was saying like, okay, af- after looking at the script, why don't you do this, 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 and this, and this instead? And so I was telling them to, like, I, I get you want to do this whole homage to the blob with the with the symbiote suit just kind of dropping out of the sky. Don't do that. Let's <laughs> let's like you already have you already have uh, J Jonah Jameson's son set up as the astronaut. Why don't you send Peter over to this this whole exhibit of stuff that was that was taken from the moon and that just happens to be there and it sees Peter and it latches itself onto him. So it keeps the continuity going and just like little things like that. It was just like, don't, don't say that Sandman killed, like was responsible for uncle Ben's death, make it. So that way he's responsible for the death of captain Stacy. And that way you get Gwen involved because all of a sudden she wants blood and that's, and, and Peter gets a little bit more, up and Adam and everything when he gets that black suit on to be a little bit more violent with getting Sandman. So it's little things like that, that I just, I, I need to find that article that I did and just kind of republish that. Cause I, I, I had fun writing that. So that would be something I think it would be fun to revisit. Yeah. I, and I think we all have those kind of ideas too. When yeah. I had very strong feelings about the third star Wars and the prequels mm-hmm. about what happened to Padme. I'm just saying, I had mm-hmm. very strong feelings about Padme just laying down and dying. I just yeah. like that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. But <laughs> at had, the same, like, but I at had, the like, same time, ideas. But at the same time, like they had the deleted scenes of her sitting down with other, with other senators and basically kind of planting the seeds of the rebellion. Just like keep that in. Don't don't just say like oh, we got to go to Chewbacca's home planet. Why? <laughs> just it's like well we have all it these effects. Like, oh, yeah, it didn't make any sense. It right. didn't make any sense. But and you're right. But yeah. the third one is always kind of your nightmare. I, mm-hmm. In my opinion, I actually, believe it or not, I am most excited about book three in my series. Yes. Because I felt like book two really was meant to just be the bridge mm-hmm. to get to the good stuff. Like in my case, book three, I'm like, I'm excited about it. But yeah. I, I, this is what I tell everybody. They're like, why is this so hard? I said, because I wrote books one, two, and three, like all in a row. Boom, boom, boom. First drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Went back, edited book one, changed things, rearranged things, got that all polished, published. Went to mm-hmm. book two. And I'm like, oh gosh, I changed all this stuff. And now I have to fix all this stuff in book two, right? So mm-hmm. I changed those things and I polished it up, got that out, put it out the door. Now I'm looking at book three, my rough drafting going, this makes no sense at all. Oh and no. I'm like so, so all this stuff I want to keep, I've I had to sit down and do like a reverse outline mm-hmm. where I wrote the outline of what I had written, and then I wrote a new outline. What do I want to keep? What do I need to change? How do I fix this? This is where it becomes, like you said, it's like homework. This is where it becomes homework. So, and then I ended up finally just saying, what, this might not just be a trilogy. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think it's just not going to be. Oh, really? I I actually ended up writing um, another draft for a book four that I've been maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I look at my trilogy as being like the infinity saga. Nice. Like, yeah. So this, this is going to tie up this arc story. So Mm -hmm. anything after that, it's going to be a little bit different. So it still is a trilogy, but book three is, is a bear. Yeah. I, I had a friend in a local writers group. We had a, disagreement to put it mildly (laughs) (laughs) to say it that way in which she said well there's no sense in writing books two and three if you're not sure that book one is going to sell and I said yeah I'll write what I want thanks Mm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh, even if it doesn't that this is part of being that independent community where you say I love writing Mm -hmm. I'm going to write yeah so then if people like it, that's great. I, I know there are people who write specifically to a market. They really do a lot of like market research. They really hone in on just what they think people want to read. I'm not that author. Frankly, they are more successful than me, of course. Yeah. But I write what I love. Mm-hmm. I write the book I want to read. And then I just hope other people want to read it. So yeah. I think that's where I am with book three. It's, 
it's turning it's because so much changed in book one and mm -hmm. book two book three is not the book i wanted to read anymore mm. so i'm having to really backtrack and recapture the spirit of the first two yeah. books plus when you and i know you have felt this when you start writing particularly in a series it's going to take you years the the hope is that you will improve your writing style yes you, know, you hone your craft you do better you learn better you read more all of that so my writing style from book one to now is very different nice so then that's the other challenge is how do i capture the spirit of books one and two while mm -hmm. still advancing my my writing style the craft but you don't want to regress you want to improve and go forward so I was really encouraged when somebody told me, well, with the Harry Potter novels, you can read book, the first book and the last book and you can see a marked difference. And that's just going to happen. Yeah. Unless you're, you don't want to be stagnant. So every book sounds exactly the same. You, you want to continue to grow and improve. So, but, but it does become a challenge. Yeah. Am I writing the same kind of, is it the same spirit? I know I keep using mm -hmm. that phrase, but it's important because I think that's what happens in movies too. Sometimes is they'll do a trilogy and somewhere along the way, the, the movie loses its heart or the, mm. the series loses its heart. And that's yeah. what I'm worried about with book three is I don't want it to lose that same heart. That's what everybody liked about books one and two for mm -hmm. the people and the heart of the people. And so I'm the characters. So I'm really that's where I'm struggling. I don't know yeah. if that's what you're experiencing or if it's more technical. I'm not, but I think everybody struggles with book three. You are yeah. not alone. Yeah. My, my thing with, with my own book three is I, you, there are three different versions of the first book for one thing, there was a self-published one. And then that one got like rewritten for the ebook. So that basically made the paperback obsolete. And then it got picked up by a small press over here in St. Louis. And then a lot more was able to get added. And then that that publishing house closes and then a Loris Publishing shows interest. And that's when Rebecca Jaycox, my, one, one of my dear, dear friends, like uh, gets to gets to take a crack at the editing and she takes a sledgehammer to it. And <laughs> it was, but it was a much needed sledgehammer because I spent like a few months rebuilding that whole book. And I got that thing so much tighter and there was one, there was one whole sequence that my, my story editor was really excited about having in, in for the first couple of, for the first couple of versions. And I took that out and I replaced it with something different. That's more me. And I felt like was, was definitely, I had a stronger gr grasp on it. And because of that, I felt like it flowed a lot better. And so now all of a sudden part one came out is, is finished and it's out there and I love it. And then part two finally gets finished. And I'm looking back at that. It was just like, this could be the best thing I've ever written. And, and like, and I'm just like constantly like looking back at it. It was just, and then as I'm reading the couple years later, when I'm reading the audiobook, I'm just like, where, who is this? Who is the one that wrote this? Like, this is really good stuff. And <laughs> that's always nice when you read your own stuff and go, wow, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. And that's, I, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not like that at all with my writing. I, if I can say that, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a decent writer. That's, that's given me like a freaking Oscar. That's you know, myself one. So right. when it comes to that, it was just like it there. I still say that I love Excelsior. I love from parts unknown. I love that five part serial. I love that it's out there. I love that. That's like this little, little redhead stepchild of my, of, of my oeuvre, but it's out there and it's a story I love and I'm, and I'm proud of it, but ever upward, man, that's, that's special. That's a special one. Mm. And so I got to not only wrap up a trilogy, but I got to follow that. And <laughs> that's, yeah. that's something that is really, yeah, it's one of those things that was just like, yeah, am I, am I, do I have what it takes to pull this one off? And there are moments during this writing where it's starting to, especially now, it's actually like starting to come together in a way that was just like, this could, this could work. This could work. Like it, <laughs> it's, it, I was, I was going to be happy if I could just get back to the quality of the first one of this, right. the third edition of the first one, but the first one. And, but, I'm liking where it's going now. So I think it's, it's got potential, but yeah, I, what I wanted to do with my part three is I wanted to avoid the typical format for part threes, which is 
act one, get your characters out of the mess that they were in at the end of part two. And then acts two and three, big battle to wrap it all up. So I didn't want to do that. So there's a lot more intricate, intricate things that are going into this one. So it was, it's by the structure of it is what made it difficult. So, so, but enough about me. I'm curious for you to tell the our listeners about the Sea of Jurassic Chronicles themselves. Tell us a little bit about this story and what what how did it come about? Hmm, so glad you asked me that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, th- this idea actually had been in my brain probably since about um, eighth grade. I had written a very well, let me backtrack. Let me tell you what the Sea Addressing Chronicles is about, and then I'll back you up to how it came to be. So okay. the Sea Addressing Chronicles book one is about Reese Harrison, who is a game designer mm-hmm. who finds herself in the game that she's helped design. Mm-hmm. The book's called All From Dreams, and the idea is that she had all, all the plot points came from dreams that she was having. Mm-hmm. And her intern says, I think that that might actually be because it's a real place. And we should try to go there. And it's set in a evil fantasy kingdom. The place turns out to be real and they go there. And so it's a portal fantasy. I use a lot of stereotypical tropes, but then mm-hmm. try to kind of turn them on their ear. The reason I wanted to tell you what it's about before I backtrack is because it, it stemmed from the idea of thinking, what if I did find myself in my favorite book? Mm-hmm. What if I found myself in my favorite video game? Yeah. And I actually had two takes on that one. I had my little crazy eighth grade mind thought, what if there was a machine that could bring characters from your books to life? Wouldn't Mm. that be interesting? So I had like actually written that as a screenplay where someone had created a machine that would actually eighth grade mind can't realize the um, implications of being able to create life from scratch. Yeah, you have a machine that would bring people to life from your books. Wouldn't that be fun? So then, of course, we had in my mind the swapped idea of a person entering their favorite novel. And I've always loved fantasy novels, kind of medieval style error Mm -hmm. stories. I loved Robin Hood, King Arthur, all of that. So it just seemed like a natural flow eventually to make that. Well, really, you could do that with video games. Mm -hmm. this really took off I hate I shouldn't probably admit this on a recording but I'm going to I was playing fable three oh (laughs) I was like oh this game is so much fun I would love to wouldn't it be fun if you just step into this world and be like this and Mm -hmm. be the hero I'm doing air quotes (laughs) nobody can see uh but I was like all of these different stories talk about the chosen one, the foretold yeah. one, the mm-hmm. one. And I yep. thought, wouldn't it be in a way horrible to find out you're the one? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, now there's yeah. all this pressure and I have to do this and this can't be right. So it really is about Reese coming to terms with the fact that she is the foretold one and, and as well as her intern and them trying to, to reconcile that. How do you figure that out? And so then the next, the rest of the series will, of course, follow their adventures. So book one is mainly in Siedris, which is mm-hmm. the medieval style fantasy kingdom. Book two is mainly here. And I actually did set that mainly in Columbia, South Carolina, which is where I'm from. Nice. To really to ground it yeah. so that people would read it and actually recognize places or things that mm-hmm. are mentioned. Book through three will mainly take place back in Siedris and, and will bring a conclusion to the story that's been kind of building through the first two books. Um, yeah. There's been kind of a an evil presence that's been driving force that nobody has seen that will finally come to fruition in book three. So, but yeah, that's, it, it's one of those things where I just always had this idea in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. I think it just evolved. Yeah. And then Fable 3, I just, I played that and went, hmm, I don't know. I just, it mm-hmm. kind of clicked. I think it might've just been, I'd been thinking about it for so long. And then I was happened to be playing fable three, which for some reason seems to be like the least favorite fable for everybody else. But me, I don't understand that. I like fable three. Well, it got got you so much like that, that particular story and everything like got, Mm -hmm. you know, got you that the inspiration struck while you were playing that. It's just like, it's a lot of people like to hate on the 1987 masters of the universe movie but I will always be a champion of it because it was Frank Langella's performance of Skeletor that inspired 
Noxorar in the Excelsior books. And so I'm shocked that we haven't done like any sort of like team up for any sort of signing or promotions or whatever, because it sounds like, like I, like I get the, the boy audience, you get the girl audience for a similar, for a similar story. Is that right? You know, that's, yeah, that's there are, true. There are a lot my of similarities in actually, there. Yeah. My editor actually said my first editor, when he read through book one and, and by the way, the first time I got professional notes, Mm-hmm. I cried for half an hour. Just that's, so you that's know. what happens. Like, that was, that's what happens. But he said, oh, this is a romance. Because I said, it's a fantasy. He said, no, it's a romance set in a fantasy mm. um, world. And so I did go ahead and, and label it as such. But I have to say, honestly, the people who have harassed me the most for the follow-up books have been men. Really? It shocked me. I was I was completely blown away. I mean, I still like a, a good a family friend or a friend of mine, her parents were basically like foster parents to me when I was in high school, just because I spent so much time at their house because they were just so welcoming. And it, and it's her father that's like, are you, are you done? One of my <laughs> uncles, well, every now and then on Facebook, on my personal page, I'll post something in, in the comments for no reason. He'll just say, where's book three? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's sweet, but it's, that's great. Sure. Like, it is. Yeah. But yeah, and and you're right. So it is funny, but I obviously most of my readers are women. There is a strong romance in each of the books. Yeah. Um, but I really love that fantasy setting. So I really, I still believe I've probably got it a little mislabeled. I still say it's a fantasy with a strong romance in it. Yeah. Which I think that a lot of a lot of fantasy is like that. Mm-hmm. It's such a driving factor for us in life. We want to, we want to make those connections and they're important to us. And I think mm-hmm. that it's just, you can't get away from that. Or yeah. we, I mean, you can, but mm-hmm. it's hard to, Yeah, it's hard to, but that's what I like anyway. So now would you, would you categorize this as young adult fantasy or just fantasy? Just fantasy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. Although I say that and the Hunger Games was classified as young adult. Yes, it was. Darn rough. So yeah. and I loved the Hunger Games. And uh, wasn't the Twilight series or the Twilight Saga considered young adult? Twilight Saga is considered young adult. Yep. It's crazy. I yeah. I think of it as being adults. I don't know at this point. I don't really know what the line is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that I, you know, I know it's it, it really has to do with the character's age because if the if the character is the main character is 13 and younger, then that's young readers or like, I think it's, I think it's called young readers or middle grade. Yeah. Cause with, and then from 13 up, that's young adult. But if the character ages as it goes on, wherever they start, that's what, that's what is still categorized as middle grade. That's why the Harry Potter ones like are all seven of them are in the middle grade section. Because even though Harry's getting older with each age, he started at 11. And right. so, so there is the little, well, there we um, go. I, I learned something today. Something I go. probably should have already known. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend tell me, do you write middle grade? And I'm like, what is that? Yep. What, there you go. what are you talking about? I yep. know how to tell a story. <laughs> and I, and I have, I have read like in my head, like ready to go a middle grade series. That's going to be hopefully some shorter books. I would love to have them like set up at like about 40,000 words or something and just have a series of them as I go and not just a trilogy. Cause I got some real plans for that. But like I was talking about it with my agent a while back and I mentioned that the character, like I, I was thinking about having it middle grade and then would it be, would it be good to have her? Yeah. It's a female main character for this one as 13 years old. And she was like, yeah, 13 is your make that be your starter. And if she gets older, fine, it'll still stay as, stay as middle grade. So I'm like, all right, good. So that's, that's my plan then is to do that. But at the same time, it's just like, it, it's, it's one of those shiny objects that's floating around <laughs> there. It's just like, get book three done. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And we, we've said, when we were talking before we started recording that it is kind of a conundrum that I think a lot of artists fall into is, yeah, the new shiny project. It's hard to stay the course with your current project when you see something new and shiny. And I know you and I are both the kind of people who have lots of irons in different fires. Yes. And, yes. And I, I don't, we're, we're going to be, could... we're going to be talking about another one of those irons in just a minute. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that I could like not do that. I, I have made myself scale back some 
mm-hmm. which is hard to believe because I do have a lot going on right now, mm-hmm. but I am having to pick, okay, I'm going to do one book, one other project. And then I still work full time and I have family Mm -hmm. obligations and church obligations. And so it's, it's hard. And and then you think, Ooh, like I have, I have other ideas in my head too. Like I could do a series of this, or I could add this on to the sea addressing chronicles, because my idea with that is it doesn't always have to be the same characters. There could be offshoot books. Mm. I actually have a book that I've got a almost full rough draft. I had to set it to the side Yeah, to book three, but it's really a retelling of a fairy tale called the six swans. And I had written that a long time ago. And I said, this could be part of the sea addressing chronicles, but just be different characters. didn't have to be the main characters. So Mm -hmm. this would be supplemental. So I I feel you like that is something that we all fall victim to. And it's really difficult to stay the course, but at the same time, it's exciting to have all this new stuff to go to and do and learn. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard. one of those things that it gives it gives you satisfaction in knowing that you're not just going to be a one shot deal. So you, you don't just have that one story in your mind. You have other things that you would love to tackle as well. So they're just they're waiting, but they got to right. they got to get right. in line. So, <laughs> so well, I mean, you do have to bear in mind that when I was a kid, like even in grade school and somebody would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm going to be an actress, a singer and a writer. Like even nice. then I couldn't pick one. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to do all of it. And so it's the, kind of the same thing now. I just, now it's really, it's zeroed into a certain area as yeah. opposed to acting, singing and writing. The acting and singing are things that I do as hobbies now. Well, I guess all of this is kind of a hobby, but I had a friend who ran like a murder mystery dinner theater mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, come be part of the show. And I was like, absolutely not no, no, thank you. I cannot take the pressure of learning lines perform. I just can't do that anymore. It's yeah. hard enough to sing a song at church every once in a while, mm-hmm. but I, I can't imagine a world in which I don't write. Gotcha. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's always going to be the core. That's yeah. never going away. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. It, it all comes down to the writing. It all comes down to mm-hmm. putting like, get, getting your, getting yourself, you know, positioned in that seat and getting those hands on the keyboard. And so, yeah. And thankfully the hands on the keyboard and not pen and paper, because my penmanship is long since deteriorated. (laughs) I can't even read my own notes anymore. I can, I can basically write out prescriptions. That's pretty much like, that's the usefulness of my, of my handwriting. So, so, so speaking of irons in the fire, you have another iron in the fire that started in there not too long ago. And that would be going into this wonderful world of podcasting. Now, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about that. It's Bethany talks about things, right? Bethany talks about stuff. Stuff. I kept on saying like, it was a things or stuff, things or stuff. And then my phone well, went off because I couldn't, couldn't access the, the notes. I was like, <laughs> no, no worries. I just flipped, no worries. The coin, flipped the coin I mean, in my head. It was just like heads, things. <laughs> well, they're synonyms. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Right. But yes, Bethany talks about stuff, very imaginatively titled. <laughs> so the question I always get asked is, why did you name it that? And I said, it's because I want to be able to talk about whatever I want to be able to talk about. So really the podcast is it's also a show. I actually don't have an audio version. Audio. I was going version. to ask that. I was going to ask that. So yeah. I- At this time, that may yeah. change. But right now, I just found it easier to um, just use the camera and just record. And it also made it a little bit easier to do some of my interviews, but the main thrust of my podcast show slash show is just pop culture. It's Mm -hmm. very lighthearted. I had a friend tell me a couple of years ago that I could talk the paint off a wall. (laughs) And I said, well, might as well make that work for me. Right. (laughs) So I just started recording myself, telling stories and talking about things I liked. And i found that when I had the most enjoyable conversations in real life, Mm -hmm. typically those conversations revolved around pop culture. People like it. People enjoy it. They want to talk about it. They want to share their thoughts. And Mm -hmm. so I've had a couple of people on the show to talk about mainly pop culture. And then of course, because I just have a very strange life. I wanted to be able to share those crazy life events. Like I have one video. It's only about five minutes that it's uh, me talking about the spider of doom because the spider attacked me 
Oh, I, I still hold that it was totally intentional and the thing was evil. (laughs) Okay. I just went to take my trash out and open the door and there was this huge spider. I mean, it was like this big, I probably, I don't know, the size of a golf ball, maybe. Oh, wow. Uh, Which doesn't sound that big, but in South Carolina, those big big. spiders, it's big, right? He's right in front of where I was getting ready to walk, which meant a few minutes ago, I had just walked over him to come into the house. So Mm. (laughs) I was like, all right, it's okay. I've made it. So I went and got a shoe. Like I was going to throw this shoe. Yeah. And I thought on my best day, there's no <laughs> way I'd ever hit that mark. Yeah. How big the spider is. So then I went back and it was just this whole, this whole story about how I had to go find the, the I had some bug spray mm-hmm. and then I couldn't get the little spray thing to work. And then when I did spray him, he turned and charged at me. Ooh. And I have, I have not been that scared since I saw an actual robbery when I was a kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, it's coming for me. And I see running back in the house. The dogs are barking like, what's happening? Wow. It was just a very carry in this house. And I, so not necessarily pop culture, but I think most people would enjoy, again, Yeah. my misery. Yeah. My misery. <laughs> people tend to enjoy my misery. Misery. So I, have, <laughs> I have another couple of episodes coming out soon talking about my travel experiences because that is always, it, it never fails. Mm-hmm. I don't ever travel that there's not some kind of, event mm-hmm. <laughs> that occurs during the travel process. I've set off every kind of x-ray machine at airports for no reason. Mm-hmm. I've been patted down. <laughs> I got oh, lost boy. in the mountains. I, I, I decided I was going to the mountains. I got rent a little Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go stay. It's going to be great. I just could do like a writer's weekend. Somebody's like, oh, this is just like what a writer would do. And like, what are those Hallmark movies? I'm like, I should <laughs> It will not be like a Hallmark movie. It right. was more like a Lifetime movie. Like, mm-hmm. I don't oh, know geez. who I am. <laughs> what is happening right now? The GPS <laughs> led me to the wrong place. And then I, I'm like, well, let me let me change from Google Maps to Waze because Waze tends to not make you have to make a U-turn if you're mm-hmm. going in the wrong direction. Waze will try really hard to help you just find another place to go without making a U-turn. Yeah. In this case, the way to go was over the top of the mountain. And back oh my. Down. Oh, <laughs> on, I mean, the road is big enough for one car going one way and there was no shoulder Ooh, through yeah. the thick woods where, and it, and the curves were so sharp that they actually had mirrors on the trees with a sign that said, look before you turn to make sure you weren't going <gasps> to go head on into another car. Yeah. Like, that that's my travel experience. Like there's no, wow. just I'm going to just go to the hotel. Yeah. And when I was 12, we went to the beach and my cousin and I saw an armed robbery mm-hmm. in a room, like down the, down the way from us. We had to be deposed and all that. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no, just, I'm just going to take a nice little trip. There's always something. Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of things that I'm sharing. So I have one episode that's Tim Callahan came on my um, show. We talked about our favorite comic book movies. Mm-hmm. I have another episode coming up in which I talk to a friend of mine, Sage, who's also our youth pastor at our church. And we're talking about our favorite video games. And I, what I find is that people really enjoy the lists because mm-hmm. you'd like to see if your list matches up with other people's lists. Like I yeah. love whatculture.com because they do their top 10, 10 things you didn't find in Witcher 3, which I can assure you, I have found them. (laughs) I have played so much Witcher 3. If there's something I haven't found, it is a miracle at this point. I have (laughs) real, like, it's got to be going on a thousand hours at least. But that that's basically it in a nutshell, a very long, drawn out nutshell. Uh, But it's just, it's meant to be a lot of fun and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And I'm I'm learning a lot. I I played Borderlands 3 recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just downloaded one of their expansions, which was, uh, there was one that was about a, a girl making her own podcast and she was oh, nice. doing like a mystery podcast, trying to figure out these mysteries. And uh, one of the bad guys was like, most podcasts end after two episodes when people figure out there's actually like, it's actually work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and my friend was actually hanging out with me at the time while I was playing this. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I'm like, I've done three. So <laughs> I'm, still, <Yeah>. I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, you know, it is, people don't realize you, you think, oh, I'll just plunk a camera here and start talking and that's, I'm good mm-hmm. to go. But there's a lot, a lot more work involved than people realize, realize, and even than I realized, but I'm every, every time I learn something new, it's that it's a sense of sat, there's some satisfaction to that. Yeah. Like I'm conquering this, I'm learning something new. I'm tweaking, I'm honing my craft and I'm really enjoying it. Even though I do want to rip my hair out quite often, <laughs> uh, me and premier pro, like I actually have on rogue Facebook posts that have nothing to do with nothing like yeah. bonded with people about premier pro it's mm-hmm. hard to, it's supposed to be so so really good and mm-hmm. robust but it's it is not easy to use so i stick with audacity i stick with audacity for mine like and, and i'm proud to say that like i've 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 got i've gone like you know quite quite the distance with audacity i'm just like what you're just going to be my you're just going to be my software of choice and we're just going to keep on going off this cliff together so let's <laughs> well audacity is great i mean we yeah. use that I don't know if you remember that the dragon's rocket ship, we had, we had a podcast for a while. I remember that. I remember that. Uh, yeah. And we, we did. I was audio. hoping to be a guest at one point, like, but again, we couldn't, you know, schedule yeah, just couldn't, and couldn't the, work. We, what happened with that is we were all really enjoying it. And the, the listener, the amount of listeners was starting to grow, but unfortunately it was just really difficult when you have that many people. And again, we're all working full-time jobs and regular lives outside of this this atmosphere, it was just really difficult to get enough of us together at one time mm-hmm. to be able to record. And it, it's a shame we were having such a good time and, and it was, it was just a blast. I don't regret a second of it. I would do it all again. We had such a good time, but it, yeah. it's just hard to get everybody's schedules linked up just like with you and I, and it was just you and I yeah. trying to get this worked out and it's mm-hmm. just now working out. So right. imagine that with four people at one point, I think we had five or six and, it and on different of, time zones too. So mm-hmm all across, all across the country. So yeah. And then one of the hosts had twins. Yep. So <laughs> I was like, there was something with the twins or something with somebody else's child, or in my case, my dogs, because mm-hmm. those are my babies. So it's just, it is what it is, but, but that was great. I wish we could have had you on there before it ended up going a little defunct, but um, we yeah. all parted. It definitely is one of those cases where we all parted ways very amicably. Nothing yeah. happened to blow it up. It just, we just couldn't get the schedules to work. Right. So that was, but we used Audacity for that and we did a very similar format and it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. The, I will say I kind of, re- in some ways I regret not doing an audio only podcast because the video editing is a challenge, Yes, but yeah. then you would miss my brother showing up dressed up as George Washington for our 4th of July episode. <laughs> so little, it's little like things. A, yeah. Yeah. Right. You got to take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to point out to anybody who watches that episode. I did not ask him to do that. He, he, that was his idea. He nice. wanted to run <laughs> that George Washington costume. I don't know what possessed him. My, my brother's 11 years older than me. Right. He's been a cop since I could like forever. So that's just something we're always joking about things like that. And uh, I just couldn't believe he's so stoic a lot of times they showed mm-hmm. up in this, I'm ready for my close up, and that's George Washington. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I got to ask, you know, like one, um, say you have, there's someone who has been, you know, listening to you, been reading your books and everything, and is really taken by your work and really taken by writing in general, podcasting in general, and things like that. And they want to go in that direction. What would you suggest is the first thing that they should do when going in that direction? Well, my advice would differ depending on what you're thinking about doing. So if yeah. you're thinking about getting into writing, I will tell you that there are, are two things that I learned that have been the most helpful. The first thing I learned was to get into a community of writers Mm-hmm. that is, and it's, you got to find the right one because yep. like you said, there's a huge community, particularly online. Yeah. Um, and you can find some that are, will just, you know, steal your soul. But mm-hmm. if you can find the right community that's supportive, like us with the dragon's rocket ship, which is mainly a group of writers, it makes a huge difference to have that yeah. support, to have the knowledge, to bounce things off of each other and just to encourage each other. So that's, like the number one thing I almost always recommend. And the other thing is finish your first draft. 
Mm-hmm. It sounds so simple, but yeah. almost everybody, myself included, it was years and years and years. I mean, it was in my, I was almost 30 before I actually finished a book. And you heard me tell you, I started writing as a very young kid. So, yeah. but what would happen was, and what happens to a lot of people is they start writing and they get hung up on something and they stop. Oh, I got to go back and finish this. I have to edit that. Wait a minute. I want to change this. Yep. I say, sit down, finish that first draft. Don't stop until you finish. Don't worry about it. Not making sense. Don't worry about something being messed up. You can fix it in edits. But if you don't finish that first draft, you have nothing to edit. You have nowhere to so, go. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and I will tell you, I, I have a first draft that I'm actually, I've had to set it to the side because it's not book three. I have a series of contemporary sweet romances oh, that I write nice. under a different name, which mm-hmm. is Cassie Ward. But since it's a little different than this topic, I hadn't really brought it up, but um, right. one of the ones I have like three or four rough drafts for that series and nice. one released. So the second one, I, I went back, and was rereading it. I'm like, there is this huge plot point about this character learning this song because she's going to perform it at an award ceremony that I totally forgot about. Ah. never mentioned again like, ah. <laughs> like but i can edit that i can fix that i can either take it out at, build it up i can that is something that you can work with once you're once you have a draft but if you don't finish that first draft it's just yeah. all over you'll never get there and then probably my last piece of advice for the writing side would be at some point just stop because mm. as well as i do you can edit forever before you start to actually push it out there to someone Mm -hmm. either to a professional editor or to an agent or to to submit it to a publishing company if you Mm -hmm. don't at some point just go it'll never be perfect but you do have to at some point just cap it off yeah because i think all from dreams which is the first book in the sea addressing chronicles i finally it it was really hard to just go okay this is done Mm. because i could have i would still be editing it today. I could be editing it today. And I think I released it in 2015. Wow. Yeah. 14. Like Mm -hmm. I, I could definitely still be working on it. So Mm -hmm. you have to, at that point, at some point, just cap it out. And then if you're talking about the, with podcasting or doing any kind of internet content, that's hard. It's harder because yeah. everybody's so different and there's so much different content out there that there's different advice that works for different people. Right. In my case, I, I wish I had spent more time on the technical aspects mm. and, and I heard this advice and I didn't heed it. So I guess this is pretty good advice. Cause now I'm like, that would have helped. Yeah. You should have at least four episodes completely ready to go before you release. I did three. I did three for mine and I launched all three of them on day one. So that way, that way listeners could, you know, find more than one thing to find more than one thing and see something that's actually worth subscribing to knowing that they're not just going to have one episode and that's it. And Mm -hmm. so that was, that was my plan. It was uh, release all three episodes. And then the next week was, was episode four and so on. And once I got back in, once I got back into the show in 2020, with my season two premiere, when I had all the guys from 411 Mania on, that was that was my season two premiere. And I felt the urge to get back into this game and everything coming over. And I haven't missed a week since. So That's great. That yeah. is great. That's actually my, my big goal right now. You always kind of set a goal for yourself. Okay, I've done this. Now I want to do this. So my goal right now is to improve the frequency of my content. And that is, I guess, another piece of advice I would give people is don't be afraid to fail. Try it. It's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Writing, your writing is not going to be perfect when you first start. Yeah. Um, creating content for the internet is not going to be perfect. I look at some mm-hmm. of the content creators that I, I watch now. If I go back and watch their early stuff, I'm like, wow, they've come a long way. Yeah. You have to start somewhere and you learn, but don't get lazy about honing your craft. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. You know, it does. like you, you really do have to say, okay, I have to start somewhere and it's mm-hmm. okay to not be perfect, but I should continue to strive to improve. Absolutely. So that's something I'm learning. I'm every, every time I go to edit an episode, I'm learning more about it. Premiere pro and, and figuring out how to make everything look more polished. So you, you just don't ever stay stagnant. And I think that's a good life lesson for everything. 
don't allow yourself to stay stagnant. That's good in relationships. You should always be trying to, what can I do better? What can mm-hmm. we improve on in your regular day job? Where mm-hmm. can I improve my skills? Can I advance this? I just think that's kind of a, a life goal. And I, I try, I will say I, I fail quite a bit, but we're all human and we do yep. my neighbor who I was, <laughs> like I told you before we started recording, I've had neighbor drama mm-hmm. <laughs> and my dog chewed a hole in our wooden privacy fence between our yards. Yeah. And he, the, the fella, it was nice enough at first <laughs> he came into my backyard and he was like, what has happened <laughs> to your backyard? And I'm like, this is not something I anticipated when I bought the house. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller yard. I thought I could handle this. That's my next area of improvement. I got to start learning how to take care of a lawn. Yeah. I, I, I picked a neighborhood where the HOA like handles all of the front lawns. Nice. But your private back lawn, you have to do yourself. And mm-hmm. it's like anything I'm looking at going, okay, I guess we have to learn how to do that now. Yep. So, cause I don't have enough money to just pay everybody to do everything for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. But if y'all would buy more books and there you go. subscribe to my show, then maybe I could hire somebody to do mm-hmm. my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Right. I still love it. Yeah. And so where, so where can our listeners find you on social media? I am. If you're looking for Bethany talks about stuff, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter. You can also find my show on YouTube and rumble and locals. Cause I'm just shotgunning it out there. If you're looking for Bethany F. DeVore's The Author. The Sea Adjusting Chronicles are available from Amazon. And you can look for me as author Bethany F. DeVore's on Facebook. And I use the same Twitter account for both the um, show and for writing. So it's Bethany F. DeVore's on Twitter as well. Excellent. Excellent. Just like what Bethany said, do not be afraid to fail. You got to go ahead. And if there is something inside you, whether there is a story, whether there is a podcast, whether there is a venture that you want to take, do not be afraid to fail. Just go ahead and jump right in and who knows where you're going to wind up being. But the one thing that you, that we can definitely all agree on is that if you don't take those risks, if you don't take that plunge, then you're not only going to stay where you are, but you're going to regret that you never took that opportunity. So take those chances when they're there and do not be afraid to fail. You never know what's going to wind up coming uh, from it. So for Bethany Divorce, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.